Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the SSA podcast, focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, the brand new Porsche was 2.6 seconds off the pace of the class-winning Mercedes at the Rolex 24. This lack of pace has prompted drivers to call out the sport and, in some cases, withdraw from future races. Is it an overreaction, or is it justified? Let's talk about it. Now, there were many great things to come out of this year's Rolex 24. From that great photo finish in LMP2, to the introduction of the new LMDH class. Not to mention an oversized grid that has everyone buzzing about what's to come for the rest of this season. Not everything was perfect though, as the most feared three-letter acronym in racing reared its ugly head, BOP. In case you don't know, BOP is short for Balance of Performance, and this is used to help even out any particular advantage that a specific manufacturer might have with their car. This is done by adjusting limits on car parameters, such as engine horsepower, car weight, RPM limits, various aerodynamic pieces, and fuel capacity. BOP is generally calculated and released about a week before the race weekend begins. And if you want to think about sandbagging or intentionally going slow in an effort to get a better BOP adjustment, don't even think about that because heavy penalties will be sent your way if you are found to be doing so. Now with all this in mind, BOP can be pretty tricky for a sanctioning body such as IMSA to determine when there's a brand new car that's entering the championship. IMSA of course has to gather data from the new cars in order to understand where its strengths and weaknesses are when compared to the existing car lineups. And this is made all the more difficult when teams try and game the system, even if it's just a little bit, with some sandbagging. Now, this can be done in various ways, of course, and isn't necessarily always blatantly obvious, but it can be done by running setups that don't necessarily maximize car performance. It may include running laps with the maximum amount of wing on that car to create more aerodynamic drag, or only completing a small number of laps in various sessions with full tanks of fuel. And this makes it really important and more difficult for the IMSA technical committee to try and sift through all these games that are being played to determine the car's actual performance levels. Well, at Daytona, I think it's safe to say they got it wrong. So much so that the new Type 992 Porsche 911 GT3R was 2.6 seconds off the pace. 2.6 seconds! It was like they were standing still out there. And the result of it, naturally with some very upset Porsche teams. One was so upset, as a matter of fact, that they are citing it as a reason that they're withdrawing their full season entry. Now, we'll get back to that in a moment, but this isn't the first time that IMSA has to deal with growing pains from a new car that's been introduced to the series. However, this is by far the highest volume of cars that have been entering the series that are brand new that IMSA needs to determine a baseline BOP for, especially when considering that they're having to do the same thing for the new GTP class cars as well. Now, this kind of got me thinking, How has IMSA performed when dealing with a new car in recent years? And not just only in the first race of the season, but how have they handled it as the season has gone on? So I took it upon myself and I looked through some lap times from the last couple of years for new cars that have been introduced to the series. Now, all the times that I'm going to compare here are taken from the fastest lap 
turned by the fastest car in the GTD class compared to the fastest lap turned by the new entry that season. And also keep in mind that I am only focusing on the four Michelin Endurance Cup races from each season. Before we start though, I do want to send a thank you over to the team at the Team IMSA store and specifically Tony who sent me this new GTP shirt that's a new offering for their 2023 lineup. If you want to go and check them out and pick up a, a new GTP shirt of your own, then you can find the link in the show notes. Now we're going to start off with the 2020 IMSA season where there was only one brand new car on the grid and that was from Aston Martin. Now 2020 was a bit of a crazy year as I'm sure we all remember, but there are some things that we can take away from it. Aston started the season at the roll right around one second slower than the fastest lap that was turned by Audi. Things got a bit wild scheduling wise after the pandemic broke out and the next Endurance Cup race was a six hour event that was held at Road Atlanta. Between the Rolex and this first Road Atlanta race, the Aston saw a seven liter increase in fuel capacity and a 10 kilogram weight reduction. Now this was nothing crazy and then yet again at this race they're around a second off the fastest lap. Next up though was Motul Petit Le Mans and they saw a massive 30 kilogram reduction from the six hour race that they ran there but they were still about 1.1 seconds off. And then going into the final endurance race of the season which is strange to say that it was the 12 hours of Sebring they didn't see any changes from Petit Le Mans and they were 1.7 seconds off the pace. Now really with the exception of Sebring, in my opinion, I think this is a perfectly tolerable performance window. And given everything that was going on in 2020 and how difficult it was to get that season in, I think there are plenty of other factors that may have played a, a role in the Aston being a little bit further off the pace than maybe everybody would have liked to see. But that being said, I still think it was a tolerable performance window for that year. We skip a year and head to 2022 when BMW introduced their new M4 GT3 and the Corvette was updated from its GTLM to its GTD spec. At the Rolex, BMW was an uncompetitive 1.8 seconds off the pace, with the Corvette doing a good amount of lobbying during the week for a BOP adjustment, but they were still just under a second off the pace. Big changes came heading into Sebring with the BMW 25 kilograms lighter while also gaining an additional 6 liters of fuel and the Corvette gained 5 kilograms of weight, dropped 1 liter of fuel and had the engine restrictor diameter increased to 42 millimeters. And actually a number of those changes to the Corvette came mid-weekend and just a day before the 12-hour race was set to begin. The result was two competitive cars with the BMW just under four tenths off the fastest lap in that race and the Corvette was a very respectable half second off. The lead up to the six hours of the Glen saw substantial changes as well for both cars. The BMW had a 10 kilogram reduction in weight, an increase of 250 max RPMs, and a nine liter reduction in fuel, resulting in them posting the fastest time in class. The Corvette, on the other hand, was bumped up 30 kilograms in weight since Sebring, but they also had five millimeters taken off their rear wing gurney, which is a fairly significant amount. And the result there was they were 1.3 seconds off the pace. Finally, at the season ending, Motul Petit Le Mans, BMW were given 20 kilograms more weight since the Glen, and they were just under three tenths off the fastest lap, while the Corvette had no changes, and they were six tenths off the fastest lap in that race. 
Overall, again, I think the BOP adjustments were pretty fair. Yes, sure, some of them missed the mark, but overall as the season went on, we saw the BMW and the Corvette in the running for podiums right down to the final race in the season. Actually, BMW picked up a couple of victories along the way. For me, this is just an important exercise to establish that while IMSA might not always get it right right out of the gate, they are willing to make significant adjustments in some cases in order to better the BOP. And it also shows me that they are going to err on the side of caution, especially when a new car is entering the series. And like I said, let the racing speak for itself. The end of the season, there were some great races, especially at Petit Le Mans. I remember Corvette, I think Lexus was in there as well, the BMW. Everybody was fighting for position and podium positions right to the bitter end. Now, let's talk this season and what we saw at the Rolex. Two of the brand new cars were significantly off the pace, with the Ferrari being about a second and a half off pace, and the new Porsche 2.6 seconds off the fastest lap. And personally, I don't think Daytona was a mistake. And what I mean by that is I do think that the IMSA technical team were trying to aim for these new cars to be right in around the range of maybe a second a lap off the pace, given their historically conservative approach to BOP for these new cars. I mean, after all, it would look pretty bad if one of these brand new cars is going out there and, and lapping the field a second and a half or two seconds faster than everyone else. However, I do believe it was a big mistake on the IMSA technical team's side that the Porsche was so slow out on track. I mean, 2.6 seconds is a massive amount of time, and IMSA deserves every little bit of criticism that they're getting for this BOP. Speaking of criticism, though, there have been two very outspoken drivers about the Porsche's lack of pace. Volt Racing's Alan Brynjolfsson, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, and Wright Motorsports' Ryan Hardwick. Brynjolfsson took to social media to express his displeasure, saying that he had heard from some pretty close sources that there was going to be at least a Porsche team or two that were going to be rolling back their schedule. And this did indeed come true shortly after, as Ryan Hardwick announced that Wright Motorsports would be scaling back their full season entry to a Michelin Endurance Cup only entry. Now it's worth noting he didn't completely slam the door on the full season entry, but it sure does seem like that number 16 entry might only be doing the Michelin Endurance Cup races this year. And in fact, one of the reasons that he cited for pulling the entry back from a full season to a Michelin Endurance Cup only entry was just due to the poor BOP. He had this to say, I'm extremely disappointed by what took place in the GTD class at Daytona. There's been a lot of finger pointing as to who was at fault for one brand being at such an extreme performance advantage compared to the rest of the GTD class. Personally, I don't care who is at fault. I do feel strongly that some changes need to be made. What took place during the race was just a sad display of how flawed the current IMSA BOP system truly is. The product that we all put forward on track in Daytona was a disgrace to our fans, our manufacturers, our sponsors, our teams, and our drivers. The truth is, the current BOP system has failed us. All of us. This sport is special because it has historically been a competition among people, and it has always rewarded those people who can extract the most performance from their cars. Unfortunately, the current BOP process and the IMSA officials who continue to defend it are severely damaging the true spirit of competition within our sport. 
What took place in Daytona should never happen again, and it is my hope that the manufacturers and IMSA officials will work together to make some much-needed changes, because our sport deserves it. Pretty strong words there from Ryan, but this definitely does drive home a strong message that these Porsche teams are quite upset, and rightfully so, at the poor BOP from the Rolex. And at the time of me recording this, Racer is also reporting that Mark Kwame might be withdrawing their MDK Motorsports Porsche from Sebring as well. Now, at first glance, it might be easy to look at IMSA here as the only bad guy in this situation. But there are a few other interesting bits of information that you should also be aware of. First, regarding that Ryan Hardwick announcement. In that announcement that Ryan made, he also cited pulling back from the full season entry in order to focus more on preparing for his 24 hours of Le Mans entry. Of course, he will be racing in the iconic 24 hour race in a GTD entry and the last Le Mans where GTEs are going to be eligible. Now, in addition to this, he also previously announced that he was going to be running the full season of ELMS and has also announced that he intends to run the first three rounds of the World Endurance Championship, all of this as an effort to prepare for Le Mans. Now, I think there's a very good argument to be made that trying to balance the schedules of three of the premier sports car racing series in the world may have just been a little bit too much. And I do think that that should be a significant factor in this decision as well. Also, what should be considered is the sheer amount of interest that we had at January's Rolex 24. It's very well known that that race was over capacity and we had a waiting list of, what was it, I think 10 cars? The result of this was IMSA said that priority is going to be given to full season entries. Now, if you were a team that thought you were going to be on the bubble, then committing to a full season entry may have been the insurance that they wanted to make sure they were going to be able to race in the Rolex. Now, with these announcements that various teams are going to be pulling back on some of their previous commitments, for me, it kind of pulls into question, what was their intentions to begin with? Is this something that they planned on potentially being an option for them? And IMSA has an interesting angle here as well. Between the Roar and the Rolex 24, IMSA sent out a very interesting email to all the GTD competitors after teams were expressing concern with the level of performance. The entire email is going to be linked in the show notes, but there were some very interesting statements that were made in the email, including IMSA does not use practice or qualifying data as part of the process. It is highly disappointing that the on-track demonstrated performance data from the 2023 Roar continues to be inconsistent and unreliable. Validated scrutineering data is representative of this, and examples include vehicles being overweight, excess fuel being left on board after qualifying, wing angles not representative of what may be raced, and unrepresented ride heights. The IMSA Technical Committee would like to remind all manufacturers that there is a shared responsibility regarding the introduction of a performant vehicle and in managing our shared customers. Therefore, we insist that you clarify this point with your teams and drivers. Very interesting. So IMSA is basically calling out some teams for playing games during the roar and then complaining that they're not getting the favorable BOP adjustments that they were hoping for. Look, in my opinion, I think at the end of the day, it takes two to tango here. And based on all the data that we have access to, it's pretty fair to say that IMSA messed up the BOP. 
However, it's also not fair to not acknowledge the part that the teams had to play in this. Especially if they were playing some games out on track in hopes of a favorable BOP. Now it should also be noted that it is believed and rumored that BMW with their GTD entry may have also been guilty of some similar tactics and their resulting BOP was also pretty bad. But that being said, they have been much less vocal about it. And one team that really hasn't been vocal at all has been FAF, arguably the leaders for that Porsche stable. Now, they have voiced that they were displeased with the performance levels of the car during the Rolex, but definitely not on the same level as some of the others. I saw Steve Bortolotti from FAF actually chiming in on social media on a, a post that was talking about the situation that Wright was in. He stated, FAF Motorsports is not going anywhere. We are committed to running the full season and would appreciate no accusations made to the contrary. We respect Ryan and Alan immensely and their situation is different from ours. Well, I for one am of course very pleased that the FAF Porsche is not going to be going anywhere. And while what happened at Daytona was very unfortunate, I am confident that we are going to see significant strides made in the performance of that car as the season continues to go on. The IMSA Technical Committee has demonstrated in the past that any of these BOP issues will improve as the season goes along, and I believe that that will be the case here as well. It was said that IMSA did test a different engine restrictor at a recent Sebring test, but the performance gap for the Porsches didn't really close down to an acceptable level quite yet. So it looks like we're just going to have to wait and see until that Sebring BOP is released what Porsche and some of the other teams are going to be in for for that 12-hour race. What do you think about the situation, though? Do you agree that it's shared blame between IMSA and the teams? Or do you think that the blame lies a little bit more on one side? Let me know in the comments down below or on Twitter at OffInTheSs. But look, the only thing I ask is that you keep it respectful. This is a respectful community, and we are going to keep it that way, regardless of who you cheer for. That's going to wrap this one up, though. Just want to give a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you, too, are interested in supporting the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash offintheesses. And also, don't forget to head over to Twitter and give us a follow over there. And also, check out the video version of this show on YouTube at offintheesses. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone. Everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go off in the S's.